but what an awesome time together. I put the flag here. Any guesses why? We got back the boys. I think he loves the ladies, eh? I mean, the ladies are doing so well, the Proteus. Today's the day. Hope you guys, (laughs) you all know what I'm talking about, eh? Don't be too excited. Just stay calm. Everything's going to be fine. But uh, what a thrill, eh? This jersey has been to the World Cup final in Japan. So, eh, it's got good vibes. So, I'm going to give it to, (laughs) to Simon to take with to the World Cup today. And let's see what happens. Might be a double flag, double victory. Um... It's so good to be here. Uh, Friday and Saturday, we were away, uh, Mark and myself, uh, we were away with uh, church leaders and elders from across the Western Cape, so about 20 churches. We gathered together, we spent time with Terry, we worshiped God. It was such a good time. Great to rekindle those friendships and those connections. You know, we're part of this family of advance, and it's just so good to keep those relationships alive and strong. But we are back in the... They're just sorting out that. Don't, we're back in the Gifts That Grow series. We're in week two, and we're looking at Ephesians 4, verse 7 to 16. I'm going to just read a few snippets just to catch us up and give some context to where we are. Verse 7. Uh, you can follow in your Bible. It'll come up on the screen in a moment. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then verse 16, from him the whole body, the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God, would you bless your word to us this morning? Thank you that it is the word of life. Make it come alive in our hearts and in our minds. May it be authoritative over our togetherness. Amen. So what we're doing in this series over five weeks is we're looking at these grace gifts that God gives to believers in the ecosystem of a local church. So these gifts are given in the context of a local church to believers for the benefit of everyone else. The spiritual gifts are given to ensure that as a church, as a corporate group of Christ followers, that we're equipped, that we're maturing, that we're growing up in the faith. I always like to say we're not just growing older, we're actually growing up as we follow God. I guess you could say that these gifts aren't toys to be played with individually. You know, like, oh, wow, this is such a cool thing. They're not, they're not toys, they're tools. Tools given to you for the benefit of the building of the church, the building of each other. They're gifts that grow the local church. So in week one, I laid the foundations for the series. It was two weeks ago. If you missed it, go and check it out. Uh, I'm not gonna repeat what I said. Um, And hey, if you're not yet a Christ follower, I'm so glad that you've joined us this morning. I hope you feel welcome. I hope you feel relaxed. Uh, You're more than welcome to be here. We're talking about gifts or abilities that God gives to ordinary people, ordinary people like you and like me, who are filled with the Spirit of Jesus through faith in him. They are grace gifts. These these abilities are undeserved. They're unearned. You don't get them because you've been a stellar human being or you don't get them because you've been such a good Christian for one month, two months, one year, and here's your reward. No, no, they're grace gifts. They're given as Christ apportions. He decides and he dishes them out. 
and we live into the fullness of that. And actually, the message I'm speaking about today is actually really good timing. Maybe it actually would have been better a few weeks ago because we've had this gift on display in our mix over the last three weeks. We've had Rigby with us uh, three weeks ago. We've had Terry with us last week. And they've spent time with our eldership teams. They've spent time with the leaders. They've spent time with some of you. And they've made deposits into who we're becoming as a people as they deploy their gifts. So before I go any further, let me just say a few things. Firstly, I wanna give a shout out to Andrew Wilson and Luke Harper from South Penn. I've leaned on them a lot. They've done a lot of hard grafting. And so for the series and this message, so grateful for these two guys that are, are working hard. And then, and if you wanna go a little bit deeper into spiritual gifts, I mean, we're only really looking at four in this series. Uh, if you wanna know more, this is the book that I recommend. I say it every time, Sam Storms, Understanding Spiritual Gifts. Get it if you want to know more. Okay, and where are we going this morning? Let me give you a quick roadmap. I'm gonna read just a portion of our text again, and then I'm gonna answer one question. And this is what we're looking at today. Are there apostles today? What do they do? And what does this mean for us? It's actually three questions combined into one. We like to do the sneaky things like that. And there's some overlap between them, particularly the first two questions, but when you separate it into these sub-questions, it's, it's quite helpful as we learn more about apostles. So here's the portion of the text, 11. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I wanna answer the question, are there apostles today? Are there apostles today? This is a, a gift that God gives to the church. It's such an important question to answer because this gift of apostleship or apostles is one of the most controversial gifts. There's a lot of disagreement in the, in the body of Christ around what this actually means. And, and I think there's two main reasons. One, there's disagreement about what apostleship is and even if it has a place in the church at all. And I also believe it's difficult because I think the gift of apostleship is different to all the other spiritual gifts mentioned in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. But I'll speak more about how it's different a little bit later on. I've got my work cut out for me today a little bit. By the way, today is a little bit different to last week. It's a little bit different to next week uh, than the other messages in this series. What I'm doing today is I'm putting on a bit of a teacher's hat. Not, not so much a preacher's hat. What I, you know, sometimes when you're working through the Bible, you get to different texts, different messages, and they, they require a different you know, style or a different way of, of communicating. And today is about teaching. Today is about putting something in us as a church that sets us up for what God has for us. That sometimes happens, and we just wanna honor that reality and go with what the Bible's putting in front of us. And we've never taught on this before as a local church. I mean, we have a practice, but we've never actually spoken about our theology or why we believe what we do. So here we go. Are there apostles today? Well, the answer is no and yes. We love to do that as well. I mean, to understand what I'm saying, I think we need to lean on Andrew Wilson. He's really helpful in this way. 
Andrew Wilson speaks about capital A apostles, the capital A, and then he speaks about kind of regular apostles or small A apostles. So when it comes to these capital A apostles, here we're talking about the original 12 apostles, along with Paul, who wrote uh, two-thirds of the New Testament. Uh, these are guys were unique in their capital A apostleship. I think they're unique as a group of people. And, and actually, according to different teachings in the scripture, there are two criteria to be part of this unique capital A apostleship. One, you, you had to be an eye and ear witness to the resurrected Jesus. You needed to, to see Jesus. And then you were personally commissioned by Jesus to the role of an apostle. I mean, you know, apostle, the, the Greek word is apostolos. It means the one who's sent, the sent one, the one who's commissioned. And so to be a capital A apostle was to actually encounter the resurrected Jesus and to be commissioned by him. And the role of capital A apostles was to establish the church, not the local church. I mean, the capital C, the Catholic church. There was no church until Jesus had sent the Spirit and the apostles had been commissioned and people started to gather in the name of Jesus. So if the question is, are there still capital A apostles who operate in the same manner as those original 12 and Paul, the answer is no, not at all. But stick with me a little bit. Because if you think about it, in Jerusalem at the time of the death and resurrection of Jesus, if you were going around speaking about the fact that Jesus has been resurrected, that he was crucified, but now he's alive, you would have actually have to had encountered the living Jesus. I mean, to be persuaded and to speak up to your peers who have been around at the same time, you would have had to have the confidence of actually seeing Jesus in the flesh. But we know that after the church was established that the church started to spread. And the gospel went beyond Jerusalem. So here's a quote from Frank Chan. He says that the church moved further and further from Jerusalem geographically and from the re resurrection chronologically. So as time passed and the message went wider, is it not understandable that the spiritual authority to preach the gospel, heal the sick, establish churches, what apostles do, did not require a firsthand knowledge of an event in 30 AD, but a firsthand knowledge of the risen Christ himself manifested in the power of the Holy Spirit. So in these capital A apostles, there was a time in Jerusalem where to be an eyewitness of Jesus was essential in launching the church. But as the church spread, the revelation of Jesus through the indwelling power of the Spirit was all that was required. And so the gospel was spreading, churches were being established and these capital A apostles had impacted lives, and as those lives went out, we saw the emergence of small A apostles. Small A apostles. So in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, for example, if you read it, you'll see that Paul refers to Apollos as an apostle. But Apollos was from Alexandria. He would not have encountered Jesus. He wasn't there at the time of the death and resurrection of Jesus, yet he is called an apostle. And then in Acts 14, 14, you can read, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting. So here you have uh, examples of Apollos and Barnabas that are both called apostles, small a apostles. And these, these small a apostles, they, their commission was to strengthen and establish local churches. 
capital A apostles, they launched the capital C church. And then as time passed, you had these small A apostles that were, that were strengthening and equipping small C churches, local churches, just like ours. So you can see where I get the answer, no, there are no apostles, but yes, there are small A apostles still operating in the world today. So for the rest of this message, I'm referring to the small A apostles, the small A apostles. It's good for us to understand the difference between those and not get confused. So here's the second part of the question. What do these guys do? What do apostles do? Well, let's go back and think about Ephesians 4. So just imagine you're Paul and you, and you know, what's caused you to write this text? He's, he's standing, he's looking at the church. He's looking at the church in Ephesus and, and he wants to help them in their spiritual journey. So as he looks at the church, he sees that there's immaturity in Christ followers. That, you know, that, that they're not looking as much like Jesus as they hopefully would and could. So what he does is he begins to paint a picture and show them how God takes a local church from being immature or not looking a lot like Jesus to being mature, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. He's painting this picture and he, he acknowledges and points out to them that God's plan for you to come to maturity is the giving of these grace gifts, these spiritual gifts, including apostleship, that will equip and mature the church. And so Paul's thinking, as long as there's local churches who need to move on to maturity, these gifts will be given to help that process. Makes sense. So let me ask you a question. Are all churches today automatically mature? No. You just look around. Look forward to me. We're not. We still need to be brought to maturity. We've, we've still got space to grow. And so these gifts, including the gift of apostleship, is still needed in the church today. Paul envisions these gifts at work maturing us, and there's nothing in the Bible that suggests that, that these gifts cease or that they're no longer necessary or available today. So what do apostles do? Well, one thing they do is they help us come to maturity. And actually, we get more clarity when we look at Paul's description of his own ministry. Now, we know there's a difference between Paul, capital A, apostle, and small a, apostles, but there's a lot of overlap. And actually, there's, there's big follow-on. So as we look at Paul's sense of call, we get a good idea of what small apostles do. So it says in Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. It, this, you see the servant-hearted nature of apostleship. It's hard work. It's hard graft. I fill up in my flesh what is lacking what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you to the word of God in its fullness. So you're seeing here that, that his role is to present the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that again you hear these words, we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So you can see the, these capital A apostles were commissioned by God to help the Gentiles understand the mysteries of Christ that have been hidden for ages past. So you know, the Jewish nation were anticipating a Messiah, they were anticipating some kind of salvation. 
some kind of new nation, the kingdom of God coming amongst them, but it didn't really make sense because Jesus was the fulfillment of all of these things. And so God commissioned and gifted these men with the ability to explain the fullness and the full meaning of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, and how it's transformed his kingdom and his people forever. They were given that knowledge to explain the fullness of Christ. The capital A, they would have made sense of salvation. What is salvation? That Jesus is the sacrifice once and for all time. They would have had to explain to people the idea of grace, the new covenant written in his blood. That actually there's nothing we can do, that the law has been fulfilled, that we're no longer a slave to the law, that we're free in Christ. They would have had to explain that and teach that as the church launched. They would have helped the, the, the Gentiles to see that they are now the people of God. They are the new people of God, that they are Abraham's seed, that they've entered into being part of the people of God. That's the, the role that the capital A apostles would have played in the life of the church as they, as they had to reteach a worldview, reteach understanding of what God is doing in the world. And again, they do it to present us mature in Christ. So, so in a sense, the apostles laid the foundations of churches in helping us understanding what it means, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So Paul describes it just like that in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So apostles lay the foundations of Christ and the gospel as they plant and strengthen churches, helping to bring us uh, into maturity in Christ. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of controversy around you know, what apostles actually do, like down in the ground amongst us. And this is actually why I believe that the gift of apostleship is different to every other kind of spiritual gift. You know, there are people who believe that it's the same as every other gift, you know, prophecy, evangelism, teaching, that it's the same. The problem for me is the connection between the noun and the verb. So in other words, what do people with the gift of prophecy do? What do the people with the gift of teaching, gift of evangelism, gift of apostleship? Apostolize. <laughs> We've been apostolized. It doesn't really make sense. So what are they doing? What's actually going on here? So Jack Deere, he really helps us. He says it's virtually impossible to define the gift of apostleship in the same way that the other gifts can be defined. An apostle in an assembly might teach or prophesy or heal or lead or administrate, but what, but what would it mean to exercise the gift of apostleship? We simply cannot think of apostleship apart from the historical apostles. In the New Testament, an apostle is not a spiritual gift, but a person who had a divinely given commission and ministry. There's a few things that I like about what Jack Deere is saying here. The first thing is he's, he's pointing to the fact that there's other grace gifts that someone who, who has the gift of uh, being an apostle, apostleship, operates in. So in other words, so in Acts 13, you read that uh, Paul, uh, Saul, Paul, who was called Saul before his name changed, and Barnabas, they described as teachers. They're teachers in the church, and then later in Acts 14, we see them called apostles. So there's, there's apostles have different grace gifts that they operate in according to how God sees fit to bless them. And I also like what he's saying here is that he talks about it less than an ability that someone has and more like a role 
that a suitably gifted person plays in the life of a church. So I believe that the gift of apostleship, not so much a grace, grace gift given by the Spirit like other gifts, it's a recognized role that a suitable gifted person is given in the life of the church. So let me use Terry Berger as an example. He was with us just last week. So Terry, in partnership with Wendy, they've been responsible for planting and establishing a wave of New Testament churches in, the, in what's become the New Frontiers movement. And through their ministry and the impact of, of their ministry, there's been well over a thousand churches planted throughout the world. I mean, we're getting a glimpse of apostleship. I mean, Terry may be the most apostolically gifted person that I may ever meet. You know, even Advance, the movement of churches that we're part of, we're a daughter of New Frontiers. And then Terry's groundbreaking teaching, I mean, his, his books and his teachings, they've helped usher us as a local church and us as common ground, a family of churches, into the more that God has for us. He's helped shape and strengthen the foundations of common ground by exhorting us to stay true to the gospel, stay true to grace, stay true to the basics of the faith, stay true to the truths of the gospel. Terry doesn't often bring fanciful teaching. He grounds us in the most essential elements of the faith that ignites something in us so powerfully, our identity. You know, I've been around when Terry's prayed for healing and people have been healed. I've been there, I've seen it. I've heard many testimonies of God answering his prayer. He prophesies from time to time. I've been there. I've seen him prophesy. And all of this is Terry apostolizing us. In all of these varied grace gifts, he deploys. He's doing it to strengthen and build up, build us up to come to maturity. So let me add one more ingredient to apostleship. That they do this under the invitation and authority of the local elders in a church who are the highest authority in that local church. So someone who's recognized as an apostle doesn't carry universal authority. Like they can walk into any church and say, hey, I'm from head office. Uh, I'm here to check out what's happening. Got my checklist here. <laughs> With their common ground cap on, <laughs> head office. What we see in the Bible is Paul, often when he writes, he addresses the elders and the deacons in the church, he, he contends for change and he contends for faithfulness to the gospel, not as an external boss, but as a loving father. There's a relationship there. I mean, I mean, Paul knows that there's someone in the church who's sleeping with their mother. He knows that these two guys are arguing and he writes, he knows the church, he's involved. There's a relational connection. There's a, there's a paternal love there. And he comes in through the invitation and the authority of those local elders and deacons. He's there to strengthen everyone's hand. And it looks like when you look at the scriptures that God gives spheres of relationships to apostles. So 1 Corinthians 9, this is Paul writing again. He says, even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. I mean, Paul recognized that there's a limit to his apostolic gifting and authority. You know, Paul isn't setting up a YouTube channel, super apostle to the world super possible to South Africa. You know, coming out of COVID, we got into listening to a lot of voices on the internet. And sometimes we can give these guys authority in our lives. 
We don't know them. They don't know us. There's no relationship. There's no track record. There's no you know, certainty. It's not hard to set up a website nowadays. It's not hard to set up a daily podcast or a daily message. Or a, but that's not what we see in the scriptures. We see relationship. We see limits. We see scope. We see areas of responsibility that God gives. And so I want to call us to be wary of giving authority to different people via the internet all over the place. I'm not saying they're all bad for us. But we've got to be wise and look at how does God shape us and shape this thing called the local church and spiritual maturity. And Paul's working through the doors that God has opened within relationship and within a track record of ministry fruitfulness. There's no such thing as a self-appointed apostle. Someone comes and says, hey, I'm an apostle. No, 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 we, we recognize your apostleship through relationship, through ministry impact. You don't impose that on a local church. I think the word that, that gets to the heart of what, what I think the Bible teaches and what I've experienced as really healthy and good practice is this idea of invited partnership. It's invited partnership. It's what I see in the scriptures. So if I pulled all these threads together, what do apostles do? Well, I've said modern day apostles lay the biblical foundations of Christ and the gospel as they plant and strengthen local churches through invited partnership, helping bring us to maturity in Christ. That would be my definition of apostles. Okay, and then look, let's just look at the final part of our question. What does this mean for us as Constantinburg? Remember, we're, we're laying the foundations here for, for how we do church, for how we uh, organize ourselves as a local church, for how we embrace what we believe the Bible teaches about bringing us to maturity and living into the fullness of what God has for us. And I think it's important that we understand this. The practice that we have is our best attempt and effort at understanding the truths of the scriptures and applying them in a life-giving way. So how does it work out? Well, one, we're part of the advanced movement of churches. It's important that you know that. For I wouldn't normally use this language or call them this, but for the sake of this message, it might be helpful to think of as advanced as kind of our apostolic family. You know, advanced movement has two key thrusts. If you were to ask them, what is advanced all about? It's about planting and strengthening local churches. I mean, that's what apostles do. So they're like our apostolic family. And so, so when you hear about advance, when you hear about this opportunity to pray for the churches in Africa, when we hear that, that Colin and Johnny and Kelly, uh, Jonna and Kelly and, um, I've gone blank on your name, Joyce, sitting there smiling at me, that's so awkward. But we hear that these guys are going to Uganda and they're gonna strengthen the church out there. We're sending them as a community, as part of this family that we're strengthening. We receive the strengthening. Sometimes we give the strengthening to others, and it's a real privilege for us. So I want to commend to you this, these times of prayer. We're not just praying for some random people out there. We're praying for brothers and sisters in Christ who we have relationship with. I know not all of you do, but as churches, we have relationship that we know each other, that we're getting to know each other, that we trust each other, we love each other, and we're for each other. So let's pray with fervency this week. Now, of course, not everyone who heard in advance, who exercises a real gifting in planting and strengthening churches is gonna carry their gift here into Common Ground Constantiaberg. There has to be an invitation from the elders, a recognition of relationship, of trust, of longevity of relationship, a track record of ministry fruits. I mean, look how Paul says this so beautifully, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. He says, so we cared for you because we loved you so much 
we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. There's the sharing of lives, this love, this dedication to each other that is just so important, this relational component. You know, relationship that needs regularity, it needs consistency, it needs fostering over time. So it's good for you to know that the apostolic relationships that we have as a church would be Wrigley Wallace and Ryan Tomorsays. And these are our trusted voices that speak into the life of the church. It will include Terry Virgo. Now, some of these gifts we're in contact with more regularly than others. So uh, Ryan and Kate are top left, Rigby and Sue, and then uh, it was Terry's birthday when he was with us on uh, Monday last week, so we made them cake and saying happy birthday was a real, that's apostleship. I was on your birthday, nothing better than to serve the local church, to be with his people. I mean, he's such a delight. So some of these gifts we, we chat with regularly, you know, they're our first port of call and we, we hit a snag or we're not sure or there's a theological issue or there's a disagreement or we just need wisdom, you know, more than what we've got. These are the guys that we would go to, uh, Ryan and Kate, Rigby and Sue. Other gifts like Terry, they're more ad hoc. You know, we invite them in from time to time. I mean, Terry's been here the last five years, building that relationship. He spends time, we have lunch with him as elders. He sits with our elders, he sits with our leaders, same with Rigby. And, and the truth is, as we become more independent as a local church, part of this family of churches called Common Ground, uh, the opportunity and the need for us is to identify and seek new apostolic voices that will speak into the life of, of this local church before we've, we've, as Common Ground, citywide, had apostolic voices, and now it's up to us to develop our own sphere of apostolic voices, which is just so exciting. And I wanna land by just saying this. Jesus knows what we need. You guys can make your way up. Jesus knows what we need. And I know that others will emerge. Other apostolic gifts will emerge and be sought out by us as we live into the fullness of what God has for us. So as we lay this foundation, I invite you to continue to pray for this, these beautiful partnerships to emerge because it's good for all of us when that happens. Let me pray for us. And then I'm gonna lead us into communion. Thanks. Let's pray. God, it's, uh, it's your word, your, your purposes, your plans are so good. They're so good, God, that you know how we work. You know how we grow, God, that you've planned, that you're sovereign over everything in our lives, even our maturity, even in our followership of you, even in our usefulness for your kingdom. God, we wanna be used by you. God, we wanna grow into fullness, to reflecting Jesus into the full measure of Christ. And God, we, we thank you for the gift of apostleship. We pray, God, that you would continue to lead us and guide us so that we can come into fullness of life in you. Amen. I wanna lead us into a time of communion. And it's actually a lovely thing for us to do at this point. I wanna read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. If you don't have a little communion thingy, just stick up your hand and someone will come running over. Thanks, bro. Just keep your hand up when they come, but the rest of you can keep listening to me. I wanna read from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. Everyone listening? 
Definitely not. <laughs> I'll wait. Thanks, E. Shot, Jonah. Thanks, Ru. Okay. 1 Corinthians 11, 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're gonna do it a little bit differently today, so, so just hang on. Because we come to communion today, we, what we're doing is we're putting central in our lives the truth that Christ gave himself to us fully. He gave everything to win us back to relationship with the Father, back to life and life to the full. And as we've heard this morning, Jesus is still giving himself to us all the time. Through these gifts, through his indwelling spirit, through community, the life of Christ is flowing toward us constantly. And Jesus knows what we need. He knows what you need. As you come around this cup, Remember that he gave everything. He's still giving everything and he knows what you need. He's sovereign over your life. He knows everything about you and he is your hope. And our role is to surrender and say yes to the centrality of Jesus in our lives. Yes to God's plans, to God's purposes, to God's ways for us. So I wanna take a moment. This is what we're gonna do. In a moment, we're just gonna have a time of quiet reflection. You know, the Bible says when we come around the communion, this is a holy moment. That actually God's present in a community in a special way when we do communion. And, and there's a warning in the Bible, don't eat or drink, you know, this bread and this wine willy-nilly. It says, think about your life. If you've got broken relationships with people, if there's animosity between people, hey, you're better off putting Christ at the center of your life and going to make right with them before you eat and drink from this cup. Maybe you need to put it on hold. Maybe you need to take a moment to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not gonna do this today. I've got some stuff I need to sort out. God's speaking to me. He's not calling you to perfection. If there's obvious relational breakdown in your life, you've got, you've got to do something about that. And we reflect on our lives. We confess our sin. We surrender to God afresh. So I'm gonna give us a moment to do that. Then I'm gonna ask us to turn to the people around us. Now I know this is gonna freak the introverts out. So just stay calm. Everything's gonna be fine. We're gonna step out and just put ourselves out there today. You might be new to church and this is even worse and, and you're an introvert. I mean, you don't have to do or say anything. You can just stand quietly. If you want, you can just hang by yourself. Don't, don't feel like you don't need to turn around if you really don't want to. But I want to encourage us to do it. We're going to turn and in groups of three or four. Just want you to get one person in that group just to pray. Pray around the centrality of Christ. Celebrate the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Pray a blessing for the group and then we're going to close in a final song. Good? So let's take a few moments just to reflect on the truths represented in this bread and this wine.